Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Well Said Podcast. Uh, I'm Andre and I'm here for another episode of just talking about life and faith and following Jesus in a crazy and confusing culture like ours. This episode is slightly different than before. I'm actually at home and I'm not with Sam, I'm here with my wife. Hi everyone. Yeah, we're here and we're doing what we do most on the evening time after we put the kids down. Um, and that is sitting around, maybe drinking tea and debriefing about the day, sharing thoughts, sharing our experiences. And we thought that this would be a cool opportunity to kind of start a new series of conversations that we will be recording from time to time as we have opportunity because it's definitely not going to be consistent with family life and home life. But these conversations uh, with my wife Leah are going to be more about the home life, uh, relationships, family, marriage, kind of what we're learning, right? Yeah. Does it feel like we're always thinking out loud and talking? Yeah, and I think it's helpful to record and just to share our thoughts, share what we're learning. Right, because the idea here, so again, first off, I think right off the bat, I want to kind of say we're not like experts in family and marriage. Um, we're still very young. We're close, getting closer to the 30 end of the 20s. But I think having gone through the first five, six years of marriage, there's a ton of lessons that just are coming out of that for us. We're reflecting, thinking back, and I think we're not sharing as experts. We're more sharing as fellow travelers on the road. Just kind of... We're, ex- uh, we're experts in knowing how bad we are. <laughs> yeah, that's a start, right? So, and just sharing our thoughts along the way. So, today, we were thinking of talking a little bit about um, what is the one of the most common, perhaps, misconceptions that people have as they think about, as they enter, as they approach marriage and family. And so it's kind of the question that has been on our hearts for a while. We always talk about it and we're going to kind of unpack it from different sides. But how would you answer that, babe? Just that question right off the bat. What are, what's one of the biggest, obviously not the biggest, I don't know, one of the biggest misconceptions people have as they approach or they're nearing marriage and family life? Um, well, I feel like most people, first of all, want to get married and want to have kids and they want that life. And if if asked, they would probably say, I know it's hard. I've heard it's hard. And I think that it's worth it. And they would admit that they know it's hard. But what I think people don't understand and don't perceive is that if you want a good life, or if you want the, a happy family life, it's going to cause suffering, and they don't want to. People don't want to think that way, and they don't want to embrace it. They think they're going to go into it, and they're going to have some hardships that they're willing to take on, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're not going into it um, willing to accepting s- or preparing suffer. Yeah, when you say suffer, I feel like that's a that's a harsh word. Like it's a it's Sounds a word that dramatic. makes it's kind of it is yeah it kind of makes people recoil but i think if we take the broad category of difficulties and trials and and you know 
there's like big category suffering and there's like everyday low category suffering. Um, and most of our difficulties are in that basic low category uh, area. But there's this sense of, I think we have an incoherence, especially today, or a lack of understanding how do we re- relate, how do we connect um, the good times, the joy, the freedom, the, the wonder of starting your own family, of getting married, of having kids, the wonderful stuff that that comes with, because that's a lot of joy, but also connecting with that, all of the difficulties, the blood, sweat, and tears, the hard stuff, the sleepless nights, um, kids throwing up, um, marriage conflict, tension. So there's a ton of difficulties that happen too as we form families, right? Yeah. And the biggest maybe misconception or confusion that we have as we enter this big phase of life is how do we how do we connect that to what is the relationship between joy and hardship, right? Yeah. So what is the relationship? How do we how would we connect the two? I think that people seem to not understand. I didn't understand that embracing those, you know, those moments where the rug is pulled out from under you and you kind of fall on your face and you're like, this, this sucks. I'm not feeling great about myself right now. I'm not feeling great about our marriage or about being a mom. This is kind of the worst thing ever. And this is not what I signed up for. Right. And we don't look at that and think there's glory in this and there's joy on the other side of this. I This is what I expected. This is what I waited for because these are the moments that's, that's going to give me a glimpse of glory. This is what's going to turn into the good life. This is what's going to make us have a happy marriage. Right. So this very um, paradoxical idea that is found everywhere in the Bible, especially in the New Testament and the gospel, that growth and spiritual joy, spiritual maturity, spiritual depth, wisdom, riches happen through death. So death to self leads to growth in Christ, right? So this is a very paradoxical thing for us to grasp because we do not associate death to ourselves, death to our... um, personal desires and expectations, our comfort, our personal well-being, however we might conceive of that, we do not view that that is the pathway to glory. I think people people think of like hardship, like, oh, I'm going to work really hard at my career, right? I'm going to like, I'm going to work long hours and like put in a lot of sacrifice. They, they view that kind of hardship as a pathway to growth. Mm-hmm. But when we look on a deeper level and analyze ourselves as a whole, as a spiritual being, and to think about our spiritual depth and growth and spiritual wisdom and godliness, we don't naturally associate our deepest, most intense difficulties, whether it be relationships, um, hardships in the home, various, you know, illness, whatever, kids, financial strain, unmet expectations, Misunderstanding. Yeah, we don't associate those moments as opportunities for growth in Christ. But the New Testament formula consistently is this. There is no life in Christ. There is no growth without death. 
Uh, it's constantly repeated. Paul says in Corinthians, we are dying to ourselves, but the life of Christ is being made manifest in ourselves every day, Second Corinthians chapter 4. So no life, no growth, no lasting joy and riches without daily process of death. But how does this work? How does this process of death to life work on a practical level? How would you summarize it in a nutshell? We don't really think about the fact that when God calls us into family life, he says, come and die so that you may have joy. Come and die so that you may have a happy marriage, a fruitful life of satisfaction and glory. We don't see that. We don't expect it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So practically, I think it starts with believing God. For me, that's where it started with, believing God. He sees me in my... But specifically, when you say believing God, you specifically mean believing the truth that we must actively seek a process of internal conviction, of truth convicting us, changing us, and and shaping us, right? Right. So believing God, believing in the midst of difficulties that God is working every single day to transform us. Right. Yeah, and I believe think, him when he says this is good for you. Yeah, this I is, think that I want you right where you are in your suffering and your pain. I think one of the most difficult things that I've seen of my friends in their twenties to late twenties, maybe early thirties, as we are as our life starts to take shape, we sometimes have a hard time grasping that where I am is exactly where God wants me. Yeah. This is a really hard thing to like own. Yeah. Like to truly own for the next season. This is hard, but it's going to get better. So I'm just waiting till that. We're always looking to some sort of expected life that we have the good life pictured in our head. Mm -hmm. And we have a very hard time owning the reality that I am right here right Mm -hmm. now. God is working in me, making me something. The Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit is alive in my heart. He is shaping me into a new life. This is exactly where he wants me. This is not a mistake. This is not a temporary placeholder. Like the process is here. The only way to get to other seasons in life is through embracing what God is doing in my life. And that's specifically daily process of embracing dying to self, Mm -hmm. growing in Christ, expecting difficulty, expecting to roll up your sleeves and work hard and not only work hard, but be defeated in your sin, struggling through that and owning that, repenting daily uh, of our of our failures and turning to Christ. Like actively accepting and expecting this process. So when you're hit with complexities on a week to week basis, when you're hit when you're when you're knocked out of your your um your your path, you are not thinking something is wrong. Right. You're thinking, this is right. This yeah. is this is what it's supposed to be like. This is how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I had one of the biggest experiences of what, exactly what you're talking about is motherhood. And there was a season where my kids were, you know, not babies. And they were there's two of them, both in diapers, both screaming. And there, it was just a really tough season where God was kind of pressing down on me. And... I was scrambling to get out from under that pressure. I was like, you know, I think what I need is more breaks. I think what I need is to have a hobby that's going to take me out of the home so I can free my free my brain. I was scrambling to try to get out from under that pressure when what God wanted me was to embrace that 
daily struggle of this is really hard. I am so weak. Like I am pushed to my limits every day. And the answer isn't to escape. The answer is to embrace that and say, God, I know you see me here and I know you want me here. You have called me to be here. Right. And and in that moment, believing God and saying, I'm here. And that, I think that takes faith. Yeah. So, and I think connected to this, we were talking about the fact that if you have this mindset, I think if when we have this mindset, then we have a new light or a new perspective on the basic things like um, reading your Bible, growing in knowledge of biblical truth, whether that be through godly podcasts, books, videos, sermons, whatever, uh, prayer, uh, actively spending time in prayer, uh, actively seeking relationships that are discipling you, relationships where people who are who have more godly wisdom shape, challenge, speak into your life. So these basic Christian processes of Bible reading, growth in knowledge, prayer, discipleship, they take on a whole new like toll. They help, they take on a whole new flavor. Yeah. Because now you have a daily mindset of. I'm going to die today. Yeah. Like, I'm going to struggle with my sin. I'm going to fail at times. And I'm going to mm-hmm. repent. And I'm going to turn to Christ. And he will work. He will make me into something more holy. Mm-hmm. He will give me victory over sin. He's going to shape me into something better. If you have that active mindset and you're actively seeking that process, you're not surprised when you're knocked out, when you hit, when the curveball hits you, when life is really hard for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. you're not surprised. You're like, this is right where I should be. And you kick into gear the processes that equip you in that daily grind, which is truth, fellowship, prayer, worship. Like you start to, because here's the thing. I think a lot of Christians are bored with these fundamental spiritual disciplines. They're bored in these things because they don't understand that this is ammo for the war because yeah. they don't expect a war. Right. You know, they expect Instagram Christianity yeah. where, you know, I got my Bible reading, sun is shining and I got my coffee and we don't. And especially, I think, in today's um, where in today's culture where we have everything, we mm-hmm. everything is so easy. Um, we expect somehow that our spiritual problems, our heart problems are also becoming easy, easier to manage and life itself yeah. should be well, we, easier. We're surprised when sin sneak, sneaks up on us and right. we're like, wait, what was that? What, why did I... Why am I wh- struggling? Why am I struggling? This doesn't feel good. Yeah. This doesn't feel like the good life. And I think it's a faith. It's an act of faith when you are in the middle of struggles in you. You're in the middle of a war and, and it doesn't become this, my quiet time... It's like, well, no, this is my fuel for if God has given me a job to do, it's going to be hard to do it. There's going to be obstacles and there's going to be things. There's going to be an enemy trying to stop me. And a lot of that's going to be my own sin and myself. So I'm not reading the word because it's what I do as a Christian. I should because it's good. It's like I need it because I'm going to die if I don't. I'm going to pray to God because I'm desperate for him to help me do the job he's given me to do or else I'm going to fail miserably every single day. It's a different mindset. It's a faithful mindset. So how do people misunderstand this process? What are some 
different pathways that we see in ourselves in people around us that we are tempted to go down as we encounter challenges of marriage life relationship life family life yeah i feel like there's kind of two ways people who when we don't expect to suffer when we don't embrace the fact that i'm living this life and things are going to get hard and they might be hard for a while if we don't have that mindset that this is war and it's going to be hard to fight a war and do the job that I was given to do and not just like resist my enemy but also produce something you know complete do my duty complete a task that God has given me to complete um I think people tend to either grow bitter and lower their expectations on life they, they just grow you know I hear people saying a lot it is what it is you know it's like this godless mantra it is what it is or well this is just what life is now you know pay the bills and work till you're exhausted come home you know sleep and start all over again until you retire and your kids are grown and you don't have to change their diapers and parent them anymore and it's just they lower their expectations of joy satisfaction and the good life and they grow bitter and maybe slide into depression or because it's not what they thought was going to be their life. It doesn't feel good the way they imagined. Yeah, in many ways, this is an embracing of, like, the worldly pers- the world's perspective of adulting. Like, um, there is no glory in this family life thing. I mean, really, our culture doesn't believe in the glory of family. Um, men and women are called into the glory of establishing their own independent career uh, in the world. So like in many ways, career is the determining identity of people in our culture. Like you need to have independence and you need to have that through a source of income that you have established by your own blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. Um, when people think of the family, they think of family responsibilities, the tension, the difficulty of the life of the home, they think of adulting as this mundane, boring, dead end. Right. And a lot of Christians Lacking are... joy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it sucks. That's what they believe. Mm-hmm. And Christians give into that mindset mm-hmm. implicitly by saying, ugh, it is what it is. Like, this is yeah. way less glorious than I thought. There's a yeah. lot more stinky diapers or there's a lot more conflicts in this marriage than mm-hmm. I thought. This person is a lot... I have to deal with them. Yeah, yeah. So... Even in early marriage without kids, like your early relationship, you discover that, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like another thing maybe people do, do do you feel like people also still kind of live in this kind of two-world escapist mindset where it's like there's my family responsibilities and and then there's like fun stuff. Like people live for leisure still. Like lots of times we we may have started our families and yet we're still living for the next vacation, the next weekend, mm-hmm. the next time we can drop the kids off and go do our own thing. Yeah. Like there's, sti- there's still right. this like escapist mindset. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a full embrace. You're, you're basically tolerating life right. at home. Right. Um, in the long run, this produces tragic mm-hmm. results. Yeah. In the long run, you're teaching your kids that they – don't actually matter that much mm-hmm. and that this process of life at home we just endure it until we're done with it. Yeah. And we don't see 
that this life of the home, no matter how difficult and challenging it is, is a factory of holiness. Mm-hmm. It is a way, it's the arena, it's the battlefield in which our souls, through process of spiritual growth and challenges and repentance and faith, our souls shine brighter and brighter. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, it's a death-to-life process. Yeah. The most counterintuitive idea to understand for the sinful human heart is that life comes through death. Yep. Yep. That's, that's one of the so hardest true. things for us to grasp. And that's why I say when, you know, I keep saying believe God when he says, believe him when he says, there is glory after you agree to die to yourself. There is joy and that, that fun you're seeking after by you know, the next vacation or the next date night without the kids or the next time we can finally get away from them or away from our responsibilities. God says, embrace it, go head on into a challenge of needing needy kids who are clinging to you, who don't let you sleep at night, who don't let you get anything done, who need you every moment, who sin sparks your sin. Like, Going through that, laying aside your sin, your evil desires, your idols, and serving them, serving your husband, serving your family, as boring as it might feel to you, maybe you don't enjoy it, or as mundane, or as unlike, you know, it's just not me. It's not, but it's like, I'm not that type of person who like enjoys that. God says, do it, and there will be joy. There will be fulfillment, because he created us and he knows our hearts and he knows what brings us satisfaction. So believe God when he says, come and die because that will bring you joy and dying to yourself. I think that it's important to note when we talk about believing God, faith has two, two dimensions. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it's something that I think we always keep coming back to over and over. Faith has two dimensions. Faith is passive, meaning faith is trust, right? You trust that God is the one who can wash your sins away. God is the only one who can save you from hell, from rebellion. He's the only one who can give you a new heart. He's the only one who can change you. And he has done it in Christ in the cross. So that aspect of faith is trust. Put your trust in God on a daily basis, knowing that you don't control everything. You don't hold everything in your hands. Believe in God. The other dimension of faith is active faith. So there's passive, there's the active passive side, trust, And there's the active side of faith, which is obedience. And I think oftentimes obedience gets a bad rep today because we are so afraid of commitment and duty. Obedience in the gospel is not obedience through which we earn our salvation. We don't earn God's well-being or God's blessing uh, to us through obedience. Obedience is the obedience of the free soul. We obey him because he, as our savior, has liberated us from the prison of death and sin. And we live for him because we are free. Mm-hmm. We, we don't live for him because we're trying to earn our freedom. So obedience takes on a whole new toll. If you can rediscover obedience, I think that's one of the other big pieces of our generation. We have to rediscover the joy of gospel obedience, yep. the freedom of gospel obedience. Embrace it, mm-hmm. not as a curse, but as the biggest joy. Mm-hmm. And this connects to, I think, another huge misconception of our culture. We've mentioned this with Sam before, that we have this implicit assumption. Um, ben Sass talks about this in The Vanishing American Adult, I think, where he says, 
we believe today in our culture that satisfaction comes through consumption rather Mm -hmm. than through production. Mm -hmm. That's a fundamental misunderstanding of human nature. We have more Netflix, more pizza on the, you know, through the phone, more drive-through goodies. Like, we have more of everything, and everything is cheaper than ever before. We Mm -hmm. can consume more than any other generation can consume. And we are the most uh, depressed and most miserable generation. Yeah. So... If you, when you catch yourself seeking the satisfaction of just consumption, of laying back and getting more, buying stuff, mm-hmm. or going to another vacation, it's not not that those things are bad, but the point is that your deep satisfaction doesn't come from those moments. It comes from your entire life where you are called by God as the creature, called by the creator, commissioned by the creator to produce, to make stuff. And what you're producing is gospel life uh christ-centered life in your home and you're doing that through the fight through the war of battling sin in your heart sin in the hearts of the people around you in your spouse uh in your kids whatever that is so that's the other i think misunderstanding Mm -hmm. we have is the more consumption i get the more happier i'll be Mm -hmm. um and we're more miserable the more the more time we spend consuming things we become more miserable Right, we our our hearts will be miserable until we are walking in obedience, and I think that that's an unpopular, very word. unpopular, counterintuitive idea, and, or even like doing our duty faithfully, joyfully. It, it's like, well, who wants to do their duty? That sounds that doesn't sound fun. It sounds like, think that sounds like death, it not sounds life. Sounds like work. It sounds like boring work. That's not going to really satisfy your heart, and that's where faith comes in. Faith will push you to take God's word seriously when he says die to yourself because there is joy and it also pushes you to action and it makes you say okay I'm gonna obey God I'm gonna walk in obedience I'm gonna repent of my sin when I am ungrateful for what I have when I don't want to serve my kids when I get annoyed at them or when I have idols in my heart that I want to pursue things that take me away from my duties that I just want to neglect my duties and neglect my home and neglect the calling God has called me to. So what about like single people? How do single people cultivate these things? If there is no home that they own, no family, no kids, what would you say? I think first of all, um, embracing their struggles, embracing their own suffering. I am sure every single person has trials they're going through and right the category of daily trials is is every it's it's universal it's a human thing and if you are a child of god you understand that the suffering that you are enduring if you are combating it and trying to scramble out of god's hand whatever he's working in your heart and you're just trying to catch on to something that's going to get you out of it um, you're only practicing to fail when you are in marriage life when you're in family life. And I think as as someone who is single and wanting marriage, which I, I hope single people want marriage, and I think they do, and they look forward to it, I think knowing that there's so much joy and so much wonderful things God has prepared in marriage, but also to get to those wonderful things, it's going to take suffering. Embracing the suffering you're currently in learning, practicing 
to embrace it, to... Daily dying to self, daily turning to scripture. And you're going to feel that glory in your single life. You're going to feel that glory of dying to yourself because you're already doing it. And in family life, even more so when there's more people involved and it's harder all of a sudden, um, you're like, this feels familiar. And I kind of... I kind of know the formula of faith it requires that I can apply to this situation of, you know, well, this marriage isn't quite what I thought it would be or disappointments or unmet expectations or, man, motherhood is not as fun. It's a lot more like a prison sometimes than I thought. But, you know, expecting that suffering, embracing it when you're single helps you practice that formula of faith where you say, God, you want me here and I'm going to read your word and I'm going to confess my sin and I'm going to walk in obedience out of my faith towards you. I Um, think that one of the biggest difficult things, I think, for us to understand and to really grasp, again, just kind of another, we're kind of stringing together some things that are false misconceptions. I think realizing that the most epic and most weighty and heavy and important and monumental battles of your life they happen in the little everyday mundane they don't happen in these epic gladiator moments of victory yeah all your your growth in glory it happens through mundane daily skirmishes and they all together make up the great battle of life, of growing, fighting against sin and darkness in this world and seeking redemption and seeking growth and transformation in Christ. But yeah. like this idea that like every day matters profoundly. Yeah. Every day God is doing something. He is writing his story. And the beauty of that story is made visible only as we take a step back and look at the little everyday moments that string together to tell the whole story. So what do you believe about your everyday struggles, your everyday moments, difficulties with people, annoying, heavy people in your life, moments of responsibilities that you don't want, um, times when things don't go as you planned, you know, that your knee-jerk reactions in those moments make the whole battle as a whole but we often don't see that we don't see the glory of those moments the other thing i think is as a single person you need to cultivate a rich glorious biblical theology of the home yeah that's Um, so true you need to you need to think about what is really beautiful and good and in this world god made a couple of core institutions that are supposed to hold the world together and that is the church and the other ones, the family. Um, it is through the family. Think about this. Most of the people that you know and most of their problems, internal conflicts, emotions, blah, 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 all that stuff, it's related to things that happened to them as they grew up, dysfunctional situations with family, home, and parents. Like our, our big, your biggest problems probably come from home too. So reverse that and realize that the biggest, most amazing things in life happen in the home, but it's a battlefield. It's a battlefield against sin, and it's the most amazing way God has discovered or God has purposed to build holiness and glory and wonder in your life. 
and it's the most amazing thing that can happen. And so when you when you cultivate that rich theology, you kind of go in there with guns blazing. You have a more glorious. It's it's easier to remember God's promises in the midst of the difficulties and the dishes and the babies and the and the piling bills or the husband who doesn't listen or the wife who is too emotional or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, most of you guys listening are either married or within a few years of marriage. So all this is like right there. Yeah, you'll quickly realize how weak your theology of the home is once you get married. You'll quickly realize how many lies you've let in, how many voices of the world you've actually let in. You think you're fine. You're like, I want to be a wife. I want to stay home. I want to raise kids. Like, I'm telling you, that was my dream. And it still shocked me how much when I was in the midst of screaming little kids who needed me, I was just like, get me out. And I know that's not everyone's experience, but you will see how little you truly believe the importance and the glory of being at home, washing the dishes every day with joy, you know, faithfully sweeping the floor, changing your kids' diapers. You're going to you're going to realize how much you don't really want to do that cuz it doesn't really it's not that much fun and it's not really it's not really as glorious as you thought. Like I I think single people and what I thought was I'm a Christian girl. I want to get married. I just want to make my home cozy and cute. So it's going to be so fun. And making yummy dinners for my husband is going to be so fun. And it was fun. But it eventually became like, why do I have to cook dinner again? I'm tired from work. And the laundry, why do I have to do the laundry? Like this dreamy pink pink glasses thing I used to think of home life quickly became a reality. And if I didn't which I didn't, but I had to learn that this is actually, yeah, God actually does want you to do that That stuff. It's actually really good for you, and it's actually really important. If you don't see that, if you don't understand that, um, you're going to start to hate it. You're going to start to be bitter. Like, why do I have to do this? Like, why am I, it's, seriously, my life is about doing the dishes, and like, why do I always have to do the laundry? Why do I have to keep sweeping this floor? Everyone gets it dirty all the time. Like, you're going to get those kind of thoughts. And you're going to be like, why me? Why can't everyone else do it? Why can't my husband do it? Why can't it be his job? Why can't I go to work? You're going to get those thoughts if you don't, if you're not anchored in a foundation of God's creation and his plan and how important he has ordained these things in our lives of home, especially for girls, that's where... Well, for everyone, guys. For everyone, too, Guys yeah. in fatherhood and parenting. I mean... As crazy as it sounds, it's like the the most powerful thing you can do in life, in the difficult moments in life, is to pause and look at it and say, what is this? Like, is this really annoying, heavy, pointless, stupid? Or is this amazing opportunity for relationships, love, Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, and yeah. a demonstration of the gospel of grace. So every moment, every day at home, that's what God is trying to do. God is working his story through us in our relationships, in our community, everywhere we go. And, you know, so kind of some practical application questions, just reflecting on this, like what is my knee-jerk response to difficulty and trial and tension on a weekly basis? What is my view of the home? Do you have a theology of the home? Do you have a th- thick theology of the home? Do you believe, uh, do you understand the beauty of the Christian home and how it ties into 
God's plan of redemption and how God calls us to raise families as one of the primary ways through which grace is built into little people's hearts who grow up into big people who change the world. Do we actually believe that? Do we believe that the most amazing things that happen in my week are the things that happen when I'm home with my family, with my wife, with my kids or whatever? Do we really believe? Do we really accept? Do we really embrace this truth that the only way I'm going to have glorious, deep, rich joy, the only way that my soul will be fat and, 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 and fed is through trials and difficulties? Do you really believe that? Or do you believe the modern myth that the more I consume, the more I watch, the more I eat, the more I buy, the more happy I will become? So lots of really good stuff, lots of interesting thoughts, I think, for us to think about. It's a, it's a, it's a good wrap for a first episode from the living room here, um, after hours. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If this has been beneficial, if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and share it with a friend. Find a friend that you have not shared an episode with yet. And let other people know that you're listening to the podcast. It helps us grow, helps us do more of what we do. Um, you know, give us a review on iTunes if you can. I know those are annoying, but they actually help more people find the show. And thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you guys again soon. Bye.